These waters are my sky, I'll never reach my destination If I never try, so I will sail my vessel Till the river runs dry There's bound to be rubber waters And I know I'll take some falls With the good Lord as my captain Always good. He was the first one really that did the crossover Garth Brooks, you know, from country music, the old twangy country and western. You know, people say there's only two kinds of music, country and western. And but he was the one that brought it into the mainstream. In fact, I think he did very well in just the the norm, the mainstream, the normal charts, the normal billboard charts, not just the country charts. So he's the man, really. He's the one that everybody loves. And uh, Matt's just uh, text me. He says, "Ha, cheers, mate." Uh, just. Uh, yeah, just heard it. Um, he said, I do find it, like you, he said, I do find it a bit strange making a bronze staff of a snake for people to look at and be healed becomes borderline idol worship. Yeah, I think it's a bit weird myself. It's 15 minutes past six, and I, as promised, Colonel Douglas McGregor, we're going to have a bit of a listen. Quite often I find just the first five minutes, so I may not, this one's a long one, but I, we'll just we'll have a bit of a listen. I find you get all the, the latest information from Colonel Douglas McGregor, who's a former White House advisor uh, to, uh, I think, during the President Trump, uh, his... Um, um, administration and uh, it looks like he's going to be back in again Douglas McGregor so he's got a very different approach to a lot of the others uh, probably the, a lot of the generals that are there they probably f- would uh, go along with him uh, but um, probably too frightened to say at the moment I would say uh, so here is the US Army Colonel Colonel Douglas McGregor you know, Russia is not the Soviet Union Russia is not evil incarnate never was uh, Ukraine, on the other hand, uh, I think has been the principal victim in all of this because the Ukrainian people were encouraged to see Russia through all the wrong lenses because it was in the interest of this minority to spur uh, on the war in the hopes of weakening, if not destroying Russia. Yeah. Now, Russia today is more more powerful militarily and, and certainly economically than it's been since the 1980s. 
And that's largely as a response, a consequence of a response to us and what we did in Ukraine. This is Colonel Douglas McGregor, a 28-year veteran of the U.S. Army who has previously served as the senior advisor to the U.S. Secretary of Defense. Colonel McGregor has been an outstanding voice of reason on some of the most complicated geopolitical events around the world. I recently interviewed the colonel and asked him to share his thoughts on the future of Ukraine. In recent weeks, we've seen a massive shift of how U.S. media is now presenting the Ukraine war. Just take a look at this article from the Wall Street Journal entitled, It's Time to End Magical Thinking About Russia's Defeat. It argues that Vladimir Putin's self-confidence is soaring. The Ukrainian counteroffensive has not achieved the breakthrough that would give Kyiv a strong hand to negotiate, while the U.S. has shifted its priorities to the Middle East and the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Bipartisan support for Ukraine in the U.S. has been upended by polarization in Congress, and as we approach the 2024 U.S. presidential election, the Republican frontrunner, Donald Trump, is seen as a pro-Putin ally and most certainly would not support additional funding for Ukraine. Many U.S. politicians have now realized Russia is not losing in what has become a war of attrition. It appears that time is most certainly on Putin's side. In today's video, Colonel McGregor explains how the U.S. miscalculated Russia's invasion, how we overestimated our ability to build up Ukraine, and how this has backfired on America's own economy and ballooned our national debt to over $33 trillion. Today's interview is absolutely essential to watch, as Colonel McGregor is a true American patriot who isn't afraid to say the truth out loud. We'll just give him a couple of minutes and then we'll, um, we might move on to something else because I actually have got this feeling I'm, we may have actually heard this before and I've got Douglas Murray too. I want us to um, have a listen to Douglas Murray. He's talking about the um, the far left journalists and uh, also I've got a couple actually. Uh, decades of brainwashing uh, Isaac. Uh, he, he speaks with the Israeli president Herzog, Isaac Herzog. Um, that's quite interesting as well. And our interventions have always distorted the normal dynamics in the region. And our argument for being there was, well, we're bringing everybody goodness and happiness and democracy and prosperity. And oh, by the way, our presence there is stabilizing and preventing conflict. Well, that's all nonsense. The opposite has been the case. Now make sure you watch until the end of today's video as I'll reveal a shocking piece of historical evidence that will completely change your perspective of the Ukraine war. But before I do, please give me a moment of your time as I want to tell you a... No, I haven't got a moment of your time. You haven't got a moment of my time. Anyway, listen to, let's have a listen to Douglas um, Murray now. Douglas Murray. Now, you look, if you want to look at that one, it's called U.S. Army Colonel Douglas McGregor Reveals Truth About Ukraine. You can look at that on YouTube yourself, uh, actually, if you like. I should have edited it properly. Sorry about that. 20 minutes past six. It was one of those, those people who also saw the 7th of October raw footage and also sort of treated it like he'd sort of seen a box office film. Well, you know, there's also this. Um, look, what are these people actually saying to the extent they're saying anything? We should ask them if they would ever appear and be questioned by anyone. We should ask them what they're saying. Are they saying that the Israelis made it up? Yeah. Are they saying that this is untrue? Are they saying that the testimony of people, including, by the way, leftists like them in the South who were living in the kibbutzim that were mainly leftist communities, by the way, so so much for solidarity if it's yeah. Jews. Um, but uh, are they saying that these people made it up? Are they saying that the bodies I've seen in the morgues are uh, fake? 
Are they saying that the, 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 by the way, they're lucky that they haven't seen more of the footage. I've seen plenty more of the footage of what happened that day. And there, there are cutaways in the videos, partly to spare uh, the journalists who, who have viewed them. Mm. But I can assure you, having seen it myself, it's no easy footage. I've seen plenty of conflict. And uh, the manner in which Hamas carried out these attacks, as well as the brutality of it, is something you don't need to review like you're reading, you're reviewing the latest Marvel film. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to know what these people are actually saying, because I'll tell you what I think they're doing. I think they're carrying out Holocaust denial in real time. At the end of the Holocaust, when the Americans realized that they needed to film what they found in the camps, the liberated camps, they did so because famously the American leaders said, we will have to capture this because a day will come otherwise when people will deny it. Yeah. Well, look at what is happening in real time now. The biggest massacre of Jews since World War II. And we have Owen Jones and his friends at Navarra all trying to find a way to deny it in real time. It, it is, it is quite disgusting. Morally, morally sick. Well, it's also very confusing when you had, I mean, I went on the uh, march against anti-Semitism on Sunday because why wouldn't you? Well, we've seen that massive rise in anti-Semitism. People say, well, why haven't you gone on the march, the pro-Palestinian march? Well, well, that's a march about a, a foreign affairs thing. That's not about people here. I'm not giving, a, I'm not giving an opinion on, on those events. I'm talking about people in my own country, my fellow citizens, feeling afraid and scared, quite rightly, and, and wanting to show solidarity with them. That seems to me to be uh, something that's fairly obvious to go and do if you're a decent-minded human being. The BBC told their staff, no, you can't go on that march, same as you can't go on the pro-Palestinian ones, because it's political. Because for some reason now, being anti-racist, which is what anti-Semitism, just being anti-racist, is 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 political. And yet, and yet, extraordinarily, uh, have I got news for you? Uh, will be uh, this week is going to be uh, hosted by a comedian called um, Gaz Khan. Apparently, he's quote best known for his BBC Three comedy Man Like Mabin. I don't think he is best known, but he's been on social media repeatedly commenting in support of Palestine since the Hamas terror attacks. Uh, took place. Now, he's entitled to do that. He's, I believe in freedom of speech. However, he's talking about this is ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians. This is textbook genocide. Um, uh, we've said these are war crimes. Uh, he, he's, he's talked about, he's retweeted about the tragic loss of innocent lives, um, both Palestinian and Israeli, the end of Israeli occupation and apartheid. Talk about cleansing, genocide, war crimes are Jewish. Now, he's allowed to go on the BBC presenting one of their big shows, that's fine. He's written those things. But, but BBC staff, BBC employees aren't allowed to go on a march against anti-Semitism. What does that tell you about yeah. the BBC? Um, I, have I got news for you? I haven't watched it in years. I don't well, no one has. I mean, it's, uh, it's so so predictable and unfunny and uh, irrelevant, really. The BBC always makes institutions of programmes at the very moment they should... Uh, cancel them but it's just a problem they have uh but yeah i mean i'd actually like to go to the substance of what this i've never heard of this guy i don't know who he is and he sounds about as funny as a hernia but um he uh, he, uh we should address the, the specifics of what he said because they're very revealing about him there is no genocide going on in gaza uh, unlike this putative comedian i've been in gaza and seen with my own eyes 
there's a lot of bombing and house-to-house fighting in Gaza, but no genocide. And by the way, if he doubts my word on it, he could just look at the statistics of the population of Gaza. Since the Israelis removed every last Jew from Gaza and handed over to the, the Strip to the Palestinians in 2005, who promptly trashed everything and then voted in Hamas, so uh, there's an interesting question always. Um, since then, the population of Gaza has boomed boomed. One of the reasons why everyone talks about the number of young people in Gaza is because there has been a population explosion in Gaza. There has, if, so morons like this have to decide whether the Israelis are committing genocide, as they pretend, or whether the Israelis want to commit genocide, but are the worst genocidists in history because they keep increasing the population of the place they're trying to genocide. And again, you can tell everything you know about a person from these sorts of statements. When they claim there's a genocide that has not happened, when they claim that that, that, that Gaza is a concentration camp, which would make it the only concentration camp in the world with beaches and shopping malls. Uh, when they claim that the that, that, that Palestinians are uh, treated as apartheid without even realizing that it's Hamas that is responsible for the mistreatment of Palestinians within, within Gaza, as the PA is responsible for the mistreatment of Palestinians in the West Bank. Do morons like this even know that a few days ago, not far from here in the West Bank, two Palestinian men, including one of Ethiopian origin, were lynched in the streets by peaceful West Bank Palestinians, uh, um, who, who all then recorded it on their mobile phones? I'm fed up of hearing these people making up, again, Holocaust revisionism in real time and claims about a Holocaust that is not happening and an, a genocide that is not happening. These are just political bodies, these people, vomiting out things that they have ingested at some point from the radical leftist media. And uh, I mean, as I say, I won't watch Have I Got News anyway, but watching it with this guy hosting. Wow, that'll be a fun evening. Yeah, I think there'll be more rounds of applause than actual laughter, as, as, because that's left-wing comedy now. Dr. Murray, unfortunately, time is up. I could talk to you all day, and I'm sure my audience would uh, enjoy that. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us once again. Do you keep us posted on uh, developments on where, where you are uh, in Israel uh, and, uh, and uh, any more trips, certainly when you've been to Gaza? Yeah, well, yeah, that was a blunt ending, wasn't it? 27 minutes past seven, and uh, always like Douglas Murray. Uh, just really good. Um, yeah. Now, people have said that, that. Did you see? Did you hear Winston Peters' speech? Um, it was a few days ago, wasn't it? it was, apparently, it's quite good. Uh, so I might might play that. But uh, now we've got Johnny's milking, and he wants to hear a nice song. Okay, Keith Urban. All right, we'll bring you a Keith Urban song. But just have a quick listen to um, Winston Peters right after the. Uh, New Zealand Herald headlines. The government stamps their mark on a new era, but why the Prime Minister's not phased by recent protests. Tooth Fairy fined for helping desperate locals and when gas demand could outstrip supply. Atamaria, I'm Sherry Kinnear, and these are the latest New Zealand Herald headlines. A rejig of the Reserve Bank's responsibilities is expected to be on the agenda for Parliament today. The new government says the first legislation to go through the House is to refocus the bank solely on bringing inflation back within target. The previous government enforced a dual mandate on the bank to maintain the New Zealand dollar and effectively reduce unemployment. 
Meanwhile, the Prime Minister says he's not surprised by protests or leaks against the government and is just focused on getting things done. There's been two leaks of confidential information in five days, the latest on Friday. And last week, protests around the country showed opposition to new Māori policy. Chris Luxon says his is a different government from the previous one, but he has a clear mandate from the public. He says he understands it's an adjustment for everyone because they have a different mode and philosophy from the past government. The tooth fairy of Kaikohi has been fined after her low-cost denture service created smiles but broke health rules. Claire Wehongi Martini was sentenced and fined $7,000 for making and repairing dentures for people who couldn't afford the work in the approved system. Kaikohi District Court was told she earned around $180,000 over three years for the services, with the prosecution arguing she placed people's health and well-being at risk. Wehongi Martini told The Herald she feels exhausted by the process. You know, when it first happened, I was felt devastated and cried, but then, you know, the people came and they lifted me up and they carried me, and so I'm just out of it. I feel I might be broke on paper, but I feel like I'm a really wealthy, A voice for the retail industry says the return of 90-day trials will make it easier for businesses to meet their staffing needs. The new government has confirmed it will repeal legislation which restricts 90-day trials to only small businesses by Christmas. It means all businesses will be able to fire staff without giving a reason, free from the threat of legal action within the trial period. Retail New Zealand Chief Executive Carolyn Young says this will give its members more flexibility. With the current economic environment, businesses have to continue to be agile and be able to move and change and respond to the environment that they're in so that they can continue to trade. And gas demand could outstrip supply by 2025, causing an energy shortfall. The gas industry company's latest research shows renewable supply options are on the horizon, but will still take time and investment to develop. Energy Resources Aotearoa says the predictions are sad, but not unsurprising. They say the previous government's policies for the sector have damaged investment. And those are the latest New Zealand Herald headlines. For more news worth knowing, head to nzherald.co.nz. You'll see this tendency for women to, and I hear older women talk about this too. I just want to do something for myself. And it's funny because when men do selfless things, they're a lot less narcissistic with it, and they don't look at it as a burden. They look at it as a duty. Where when women tend to do things like for the family, they look at it as a detriment. They hold resentment to the people that hold back their decisions. I believe the natural order of the world is God, men, and women. And when we try to confuse women and say we're equal to men and that we have an ability, like that we should be able to control men, that's when evil happens. I, mean, I don't happens. think there's equality no, with no, men and women re- at all. Right, right. But, but, no, but I, think, I, think we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to submit to men's authority. And I think when we don't, that's when evil happens. And so typically when, when there's a dysfunction in the family, it's because the woman was trying to impose her will on the man. This is going to be a blokes only show, isn't it? 29 minutes, 28 now, 28 to 7 TNT Radio News at 7, here's Winston Peters, let's have a listen to him and uh, if you get bored of it, uh, just text in and tell me you want more music but I've got I've got Keith Urban after that Prime Minister Winston Peters uh, Mr Speaker, right here, right now something that the political experts said could never happen is happening and so congratulations to you <laughs> for your position Uh, And also congratulations to Chris Luxon 
and David Seymour in the formation of this government and their political parties, something that also the experts said could not happen. And so if we're going forward, can we just have a look in the future at these experts and start examining their record of being right? And because so many times they have been wrong. Can I say also that uh, hearing Mr Hipkins today was actually an astonishing event. This is somebody that came to power and had his own bonfire. Bonfire of the stupid vanities that his party had in place. But then today he came along and defended it. And the extraordinary thing is, he didn't seem to understand that the forward forecast for GDP for next year by the IMF has us at 159 in the world, just in front of Equatorial Guinea, and doing less than 1% in terms of GDP. And he said that that was a success story. Well, you can see why they are so troubled now in such small numbers. Congratulations to every member of parliament that's here, from whatever the party they might be, and for the time you're here, uh, because it's a very privileged place to be. And we're all here to do one thing, despite what some of your leaders or your manifesto might say, might, and what they are, your past colleagues might say, you're here to represent everybody as one people called New Zealanders. Regardless of our DNA, our gender, our background, or our creeds. We, this country was made being one country. Or as uh, Dame Finna Cooper said, we signed the treaty so that we could become one people. And I want to remind some people in posing here yesterday, posing here yesterday, as though they're the new vision, they're the new light, they're the epiphany of what Māori is. Oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. Let me, let me tell you, if you're looking for trouble, you've come to the right place. <laughs> we came back to Parliament doing the impossible. Right? Yes, you're, yes, you're true. It's true. But let me tell you, let me tell you two things. You're heading for 54 years if you're on the Greens at never having been in Cabinet if your party was formed in the first contest in 1972 under the name Values. 54 years never being in Cabinet is a long time to wait. Even Moses' people, even Moses only 40 years and his people made it. For 54 years and the Green Party is never going to make it back at all and nor is the party Māori. And I'll tell you why it is. Because you're heading straight to the bottom pile claiming to be what you're not, the voice of Māori. Ah, uh -uh, no you're not. And never will be. And certainly not someone who is so decolonised he wears a cowboy hat. So decolonised he wears a cowboy hat. Isn't that amazing? Every pretension, every pretension he's got can be found out in five seconds flat. And whilst we're at it, the $350,000 that came from a charity, why on earth did the, Labor, did the Papati Māori get that money? 3,500 3, charity money to Papati Māori, and what is going on when that can be allowed to survive in this country's democracy? Oh, yeah. Not too happy now. Well, there'll be somebody knocking soon. Believe me. And the same law will apply to them as applies to every other political party. Now, can I just say this? We survived the last uh, campaign, having been marginalised, cinderellaised, demonised, by too many who were in the Public Interest Journalism Fund 
paid off in the media. But we're back. No, 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 no. We want a democracy where there is the fourth estate. Honest. Honest. Oh, no, no, somebody else didn't like the mother, did he? He was threatening somebody on TV, if you please. Of course, he wasn't obeying according to the way the funds should be operating, according to Willie, the Minister of Broadcasting. It was the most embarrassing circumstance. Now, the bill is, yes, I do like journalists. I like journalists who understand that it's a profession and that they are critical to any democracy. But I do not like fifth columnists. I don't like people, I don't like people, for example, to go out and have politically motivated commentary day in, day out. It, it reeks, their questions reek of their preference. They're not professionals. They're not professionals. Well, I can see why Mr. Jackson wouldn't understand, because Mr. Jackson has been the key voice in the Labour Party these last six years, and he sent them to their demise. He's their, he's their Maori leader. He's their Maori leader, and there's one left now in the Maori seats. Oh, and by the way, to Party Maori, only one party has ever taken all the Maori seats off Labour, and you're looking at it. Only one party has ever done that. You know, before the 2020 election, New Zealand First was attacked by the Serious Fraud Office. It's April in 2020. We're on about four and a half, five, almost five percent, and we're attacked by the SFO. And then the media, relentlessly as a organisation, went after New Zealand First. And one outlet, no fewer, and publicly owned it was too, no fewer than 27 times attacked us. Yet when we beat the SFO. When we beat the Serious Board Office, not once, but twice, before the election and after it, and put out a press statement about our rights, the rights of the victor in this case, they never printed a word. Yeah, yeah. They claimed to be balanced. Never printed a word. And after hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of personal cost and expense, they expect me to forgive them and go back to treating them like the way they should be treated. When they understand no, Radio Wartier didn't do that. You're quite right. Radio Wartier didn't do that because of the guy called Dale Husband that understands fairness. He's one of those guys that despite his colleagues, he's professional. Despite people like Willie Jackson, he remains professional. And I salute that. And that's why I go on this show every second week, like the farming show. All those that talk to us will get to talk to us after the election. But those newfound that turn up the day after, or they did the day before the election, this is true. I was on there two turned up the day before the election, journalist, and wanted to interview me. And I said, well, is there any chance of any boat being, being uh, affected by your comment? No. So what the age are you doing here then? That's what they thought was fair. And then all of a sudden now, they want Chris Luxon to rule Winston Peters out. He's misbehaving himself. Oh, no, I'm not. I believe in democracy and I believe in the media. And I want to see them back to doing what they should do and not becoming an unelected political party in this country sitting up there. That's all I want. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, look, can I say that we're out there packing the halls in Tauranga. We got uh, 400, we got 750 in Tauranga, not one journalist there. Then we're on to places like Dunedin, Papamore, Dargaville, Invercargill, Hawke's Bay, Kaikoura, Nelson. Everywhere we're packing the halls and no journalists at all. Do you think that's commentary? Do you think that's fair? Or they say, we sent somebody. No, you didn't. I can show you the meeting after meeting after meeting where they wouldn't give us any coverage whatsoever. 
Oh no, Un unlike, that, unlike that member, she couldn't fill a telephone booth. But we packed the halls. Not enough chairs or anything. And my point is, why were they gaslighting us out of the campaign? This is not what a democracy looks like. And whether people agree or not, they're entitled to hear, as Phil Collins sang, they're entitled to hear both sides of the story. Not one side, both sides of the story. And here's what he's trying to defend them now. He knows in his heart of heart, as he goes from this job very shortly. And he will. Oh, no. They're calling it. Look, when democracy, when, when, you, when you're in a game and in the end they look around and say, who's responsible? And you think to yourself, maybe it's the guy I'm looking at in the mirror. Then the time staying here, well, it's not going to work for you. And the sooner you go, the better. So that somebody can step up and start to rebuild what was once a great party, but has forgotten the workers. They wouldn't know a worker if he fell over one. Totally forgotten the working people of this country. Ladies and gentlemen, we got back because we went to the social media. And we didn't use any boosters at all. But we knew out there, at least unfiltered and unedited, we could get our story away. But had we got a decent go, we'd be sitting here with far more than the members we've got now. And that's a fact. Why, the Greens never had a meeting. They never had a meeting. They go down to the, to the, uh, to the beach, get a few starfish, and they're headlining at 6 o'clock news. What was political about that? Pray tell me you've been the journalist, you're a media person. What was political about that? Unbelievable. Deafening. And they never had any public meetings anywhere in the whole campaign, and there they are sitting there. But I'll tell you what, Mr. Collins, this is the high point. It's going down now. I've been around. I've been around a long time. I know a bunch of losers when I see them. Any money you like, you're going that way. Because these people, these people want their seat back. And they're better organised, and they will be when the time comes. So enjoy the next three years. Try to do the best you can, but it won't be long. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just say to those in the media who wrote us off and relentlessly attacked us, guess what? New Zealand First is back. Now, I know Willie's charmed by this, because Willie came to a speech where he was giving me a farewell speech that was put on by FOMA, Federation of Māori Authorities, in case people think Māori authorities don't understand how much we've done for them over the years. And Willie gave my farewell speech, and I said to him, Willie, you're being premature. Anybody who even dreams New Zealand First is, anybody even dreams New Zealand First is going to get beaten should wake up and apologise. So, Willie, wake up and apologise now. <laughs> Another example. Well, actually, well, actually, Willie, having spanned six decades, I can give you a few examples. If you know anybody else has, right? But see, I respect the, the people that you should respect. Like, for example, Ngata and Pumari yeah. and Buck yeah. and Carol. These are political geniuses. Their view of the Treaty of Waitangi is written in the book 101 years ago by Ngata himself, not by these people over here making up as they dream it up at some sociological class at university. It's balderdash. Oh no, you can wave and do all the hugging and put the hooey feather in your hair, but it doesn't belong there. Ask Ratna. Ask the man himself. What's the hooey feather doing in your head? No, no, the immodesty knows no bounds. But I've got to tell you, I am pleased New Zealand First is back and not a day too soon because this sort of humbug is going to stop yeah. and we're going to go back to calling we're going to go back to calling our country New Zealand we're not going to have a French Polynesian name 
That's an insult to everybody in the South Island. And there's a South Island member of Parliament for Te Pāti Māori, and he can't even defend his, his people's name for that part of the country. Yeah. Te is the name. It ain't Aotearoa. Oh, but he's too mute. He's too mute, too new, and too unlearned to even make a defence of it. Did Ngata think that? Did Paul Murray think that? This genius called Buck, who ended up as a major anthropologist, a doctor first, an anthropologist all the way to Hawaii, did he think that? No. He's my authority. What's yours? What's your authority? They haven't got one. And so no more of this darn humbug. And you can put the tarmoko on and dance around and carry on in the way that we find very strange, because where I come from, that's conferred upon you. You don't just don't paint yourself like some tattoo shop. But that's what they're doing. And I saw yesterday to walk into this place and take over the traditions of a great democracy that's been going since 1854. One of the great democracies in the world. Oh, Willie thought it was, Willie thought it was wonderful. No consultation, no. Here comes Johnny come lately, or in this case, Rawadi come lately, and he's gonna design the whole thing new. I got news for you, sunshine, and it's all bad. We got news for you and it's all bad. We're not putting up with it. And some of us have done far more for Maoridom than you'll ever do. That's a fact. Who settled this? Who settled the Central North Island tribes 14 Iwi settlement? Who settled that? Right? The Maori wardens. Who's, who gave them the start? The Maori Women's Welfare League. Mount Hikurangi. I could be here all day what we've done for Maori. Not like these people. All talk and no action. All talk and no action. And we're not coming back. We're not coming back here to listen to we're not coming back to listen to this humbug any longer. We want this country to be called New Zealand. And if we're going to change the name, then we're going to ask all New Zealanders first. We're not going to have a little bunch of minority who say we're the Maori voice. Okay, so if they're the Maori voice and they got only 3% of the vote most of the time, and yet they say the Maori people are 80% of the population, it means that one-sixth of the Maori people might support them and five-sixths don't. How can they call themselves the Maori voice? And why does Willie sit by mutually allowing them to do that? But we knew from the word go that when these people arrived that there's going to be a, a, a race to the bottom between Te Pāti Maori and the Maori members of the Labour Party. And that's tragedy. It's tragic. Because at the end of the day, what we get from that is not what people want out in the Maori world. You know what they want? They want an affordable house. They want, if they feel sick, hopefully not them, their parents or their children, to get treatment medically as soon as they possibly can. And they want to get on the escalators that takes you with education as far as you want to go. And the fourth thing Māori want is first world wages. These people never even talk about that at all. No, it's all their highfalutin, Auckland University Sociology Department claptrap. <laughs> making up as they go along. And the moment you challenge their authority, they start shouting out the easiest cowardice answer, racist. Oh, no, we're not. No, no, as the founder of, uh, of the Congo Royal said, Winston is not anti-Maori, he's just anti-nonsense. Oh, Remember that? Here, here. Remember her name? Here, here. Yeah, said that, didn't she? Oh. And, uh, and also uh, somebody's mother said that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody's mother said that too. And I wish he was as bright as his mother. And pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
You know, your mother was a very bright woman. And she had high hopes for this party. And New Zealand first. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the son is going his own way and thinks he's smarter than mum. Oh, no, he's not. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I was going to make a lot of statements today, but the reality is we're out to turn, we're out to turn this country around. This, this was an inflection election. Make no bones about it. If we had not got back these three parties, we were heading off to be Venezuela. Venezuela. Or Myanmar. Cuba. Oh, they're there clapping at the back. That's what they want. Clearly with no idea that it was once the most successful economy in South America. And look at the court case it is today. Those sorts of policies took them there. Same with Myanmar. Under Burma, the most successful economy in Asia. And look what sort of policies took them there. We just got back in time, and we're proud to join this coalition to save this country. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's Winston Peters there in his maiden speech uh, for 2023. And uh, a pretty good response, but not a word, not a word from Winston about Barry Young, the whistleblower from Ministry of Health, senior statistician, and uh, not a thing, not a thing. And... Uh, Barry Young and also Liz Gunn were attempting to talk to him. Uh, this is well before he's gone and he's just been stonewalled. What's that all about, Winston? We want to know what that's about. It's nine minutes to seven. We'll have TNT Radio News at seven. And uh, But also, I forgot to mention this, um, there's been a thunderstorm. It's torn through the South Island and the Lower North Islands, causing extensive damage and disruption on Tuesday. That was uh, yesterday night, I think. The storm started in Canterbury, causing flights to be delayed or cancelled, and also flooding. Uh, lighting also struck some hedging in Christchurch, causing a fire. The storm then moved up the country with greater... Wellington region next in the firing line and the wild weather made trees fall over blocked roads in Lower Hutt and caused extensive damage to windows and cars and there are currently around 2,000 homes without power in Lower Hutt flights are also disrupted in Wellington also um, almost uh, all severe thunderstorms warnings and watches have been cleared by Met Service now, but it was pretty bad. Um, we've got, uh, there's a watch that remains in place for Tararua District, Hawke's Bay, and also Gisborne as well. And that was at um, about 10 o'clock last night. Uh, and uh, moving across to Radio New Zealand, oh, that one was brought to you by newshub.co.nz and over at Radio New Zealand to Wataora, which is um, the Ministry of Health. They owe, um, they owe professionals more than three billion New Zealand dollars in leave and holiday pay. Thousands of health professionals are owed billions of dollars for incorrectly calculated holiday pay and undertaken annual leave, according to the Ministry of Health in their first annual report. In more news from Radio New Zealand, school spending grants on personal trips, home gyms and sort of equipment like that. There's a report. Seven schools had serious financial problems last year and the auditors warned there's the potential problems for a further seven. And uh, we've got pictures of the hailstorm and chaotic winds that have wreaked havoc in Wellington. Hail, heavy rain and strong winds ripped across the country from Canterbury to Wellington. We've talked about that. And a record payout points to workshop, uh, workplace stress for school counsellors. I think it's crazy, but Association of Counsellors say $1.8 million payout following the Employment Court ruling highlights the pressure on school counsellors. 
I think that the school involved in that, they can't afford that, nor can the taxpayer. I think there needs to be an appeal. Whangarei petrol prices, they have dropped as companies forced to match competition. Petrol prices have plummeted in Whangarei following the arrival of a cut price outlet, what used to be New Zealand's most expensive place to um, tank up. And uh, more weather. And we've got, uh, you can save, and this is more rubbish from the climate change uh, crazy people. Uh, it says here, to save $2 billion a year on cutting carbon, climate change co- uh, commission has been telling the government. New Zealand isn't on track to meet its climate change targets, according to a new review, and it could end up costing the government millions of dollars in shortfall. See, that's obviously there's fines involved, isn't there? Uh, saving South Dunedin from going under. Uh, there's a um, podcast there with the detail. South Dunedin is one of New Zealand's most densely populated areas. But it's also one of the lowest lying, uh, coming uh, coming up with ways to save it from repeated flooding is becoming urgent. And Te Papa should, that's the museum in Wellington, Te Papa should remove English versions of the Treaty of Waitangi. Uh, that's uh, according to some protesters, they have um, removed a large display of the English version of the Treaty of Waitangi. And uh, a Maori legal expert says... They need to get rid of the English. See, that's just more nonsense, isn't it? We're one people. Didn't you hear, Winston? <laughs> Multiple arrests after the Treaty of Waitangi uh, panel at Te Papa was damaged, say police. The wooden display panel showing the English version of the Treaty of Waitangi has been damaged with spray paint and some kind of a powder. Well, it looks to me like an angle grinder. Some uh, European-looking woman there with saggy... Um, <laughs> I know what you think I was going to say, don't you? I think yesterday when I was listening to it, I thought he's going, to, he's going to say saggy boobs or something like that. No, it was saggy triceps. You could see that she she needs a bit of exercise. Uh, so it must have been quite hard work for them to abseil down. I think they I think they came in from the roof or somewhere and abseiled down and did some damage. Now, um, Cyclone Gabrielle, Auckland Anniversary Floods Insurance Bill is at $2.7 billion so far. The Insurance Council says that there are two largest insurance weather uh, they are the two largest uh, insurance weather events in the country's history. And there's also an invasive moth, a highly invasive moth that survives New Zealand winter. Uh, the effort is underway to contain it. What's it called? It's called a maize. It gets into the maize and the sweet corn. It's no good. And I was also list, um, had a message from one of the um, people that does um, contracting around my area. And he said, yeah, the, we didn't know. I said, I've got that to read out to you. Let's see, because uh, they know they know better than me. Uh, let's have a look. I've got all this other stuff coming up. Here we go. Yeah, probably the grass crops aren't as heavy. Because I was talking about, I didn't think it was a very good year for, um, for hay at the moment, but he said there's not so many bales. He said spring was looking good, but then it got cold and wet, and uh, we need more rain now uh, for the grass to get a boost. So, yeah, we do need more rain, but before it was... Not so good. Okay, uh, neighbours opposed to a solar farm on Blenheim Rural Floodplain. A small group of neighbours between Blenheim and the sea fear a solar farm planned for their quiet neighbourhood would turn it into an industrial-like zone. They are noisy. And also a lobbying firm was hit by hackers I think I mentioned that yesterday, but anyway, the Senate, it's called Senate, uh, which is the largest has large contract with the Commerce Commission. It has was caught up in a cyber attack, raising fears about the possible release of highly sensitive material. 
There we are. And Auckland Council spent, well, we talked about this earlier, $7.4 million on recruitment in 12 months, and it's shocking. Uh, and I think the mayor is uh, pretty upset about that. Cost of living crisis has hit to many people, and uh, Christmas festivities is uh, going to be sort of a bit lower. A new survey by Westpac shows 44% of New Zealanders plan to spend less over the holidays. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. Uh, I don't blame them. And those school councillors, they did. They won that 1.8 million. And I hope. I think we talked about that before. I hope that they, the school involved in that. I hope they um, appeal that. But it was pretty bad. I suppose, you know, 32 deaths in one community uh, during their time at the school, including student suicides, fatal car crashes, terminal illness and murder. But you're a school counsellor and uh, these are all the things that happened. What about everybody else that had to go through it? Do they get a payout as well? Why do you have to get a payout? I just think it's a shocking precedent that's been set. Uh, Wakatani homicide inquiry, a man who died with injuries has been named... Um, let's, I'll just give you the person there. Um, his name is, uh, Turi Rangi Moeki. He's 27. He was taken to hospital with life threatening injuries at about 20 to 9 on Sunday night, and he was pronounced dead shortly afterwards. Police have launched a homicide investigation to piece together what happened leading up to his death. Police previously said initial indications suggested that there was a gang related disorder incident before Moeki died. Detective Inspector Lou Warner said police understood recent events had caused a feeling of angst in the tight-knit community. And they want to hear from anyone that knows anything about that. You can just call Crime Stoppers uh, 111 or 0800 555 is the number there. 0800 555 Okay, what else is happening? Pharmac proposes funding cancer drug. It's called Reboxaclib, it looks like. Clib. And Medost Medostrorin. Oh, just, they just sound awful. And the doctors spend all their time trying to figure out how to pronounce these <laughs> words and also how to pronounce the names of the diseases they keep coming up with. This one's to do with breast and blood cancer. Um, those patients there will soon have the access to this life-extending drug, so they say. But what about all the, all the um, side effects, you know? And why did you get it in the first place? And I'll tell you what, I think the evidence is there uh, that it's those... Um, uh, pharm- pharmaceutical uh, childhood vaccines that are causing all the trouble. We only got to l- listen to Steve Kirsch. Just whip over there to Kirsch. That's K-I-R-S-C-H. Kirschsubstat.com and read some of his reports. Back to New Zealand. Dunedin City Council launches a hundred and fifty thousand dollar tourism campaign to get people to visit the city. And uh, last night, did anyone see the meteors? You know, the whatever, whatever it was. Uh, Stargazers, did you look up and have a look and just see what happened? It was around about eight o'clock, uh, eight till midnight. You would have uh, seen the meet, you know, some sort of a something happens. I don't know. I was dead. I was absolutely asleep. By eight o'clock, I was fast asleep. Woke up at two this morning. Went back to bed for an hour, and then I thought, oh, listen to the radio for a bit, and then I thought, oh no, we better get up and do something, otherwise I'll be too tired. Now, immense sadness. Relief as homeowners receive council's buyout offer. The Murawai, a Murawai resident is among the first owners of storm-damaged homes in Auckland to receive a buyout. Obviously wasn't enough. Uh, nearly $50 million of repairs to State Highway 1 between Auckland and Hamilton delayed further. Uh, the, the repairs there, so they've yeah, and a man has been accused of damage. Oh, yeah, just one man. Oh, I thought there was 12 of them that got arrested. The Tapapa Treaty of Waitangi panel, he's been held in custody. His name is Tewihi Ratana, and he was held in custody because no judge was able to hear a bail application. 
his lawyer said, well, fair enough, you know, you're doing stuff like that. We lock you up. There's got to be a bit more locking up. None of this catch and release business as well. Um, TNT Radio News is on the way, so uh, I'll just jibber-jabber until that happens. Looking over at uh, the um, cyclone in Australia, Category 2 cyclone Jasper has hit Queensland on Wednesday. So that is today. It's, is it, has it hit it or is it expected to hit? Tropical cyclone Jasper is set to bring uh, destructive winds along the, with heavy rainfalls. And uh, as locals in the storm path are told that they must prepare to evacuate. Goodness, that does sound pretty bad. Prominent South Australian doctor dies after a home invasion. A respected South Australian paediatrician, Dr. Michael Jung, has died in hospital after injuries he received. Uh, in an unprovoked attack. Here's TNT Radio News right now. It's 7 o'clock. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A tanker flying the Norwegian flag was reportedly hit by a missile in the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen near a vital maritime passage. The incident occurring on Tuesday involved the oil and chemical tanker Strinda. Authorities suggest that the missile may have been launched by Yemen's Houthi rebels. This attack represents an escalation in the conflict as it targets vessels without direct connections to Israel, extending beyond the previous pattern of assaults near the Bab al-Mandeb Strait. This shift raises concerns about the safety of cargo and energy shipments passing through the Suez Canal and potentially broadens the global implications of the ongoing conflict in the Gaza Strip between Israel and Hamas. The Houthis, known for their ties to Iran, have not officially taken responsibility for the attack. However, their military spokesperson, Brigadier General Yahya Suri, indicated the significant announcement from the group was forthcoming. South Australians are being warned to be careful around bats after the Australian bat lysivirus was discovered in the state. The state's health department warned residents not to handle bats after the rabies-like disease was detected in a bat. The virus has been discovered five times this year and nine times since 2012 in South Australia. However, only 1% of bats carry the virus. Australian businesses are now legally required to proactively prevent sexual harassment and discrimination in the workplace, following new regulations that have come into effect. As of December 12th, the Australian Human Rights Commission has been empowered to enforce these measures, ensuring that employers take active steps to eliminate sexual harassment. This significant change arises from a principal suggestion in the Respect at Work report, which advocates for a proactive, preventative approach to sexual harassment, rather than addressing it only after incidents occur. Attorney General Mark Dreyfus emphasized that this shift places the onus of responsibility on employers rather than employees. To facilitate compliance with these new obligations, the Commission is equipped with various tools. These include the authority to issue notices and to enter into enforceable agreements with businesses if necessary. A collective of U.S. lawmakers, led by Representatives Rob Whitman and Elise Stefanik, has called on the Pentagon to formulate a strategy to counter the Chinese Communist Party's involvement in seabed mining. This appeal, detailed in a letter dated December 7th to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, highlights concerns regarding the CCP's growing investment in this sector, which may significantly enhance Beijing's control over vital mineral resources. Seabed mining involves the extraction of sediment and minerals from the ocean floor with deep-sea mining specifically referring to operations conducted at depths exceeding 200 meters. These areas are rich in critical minerals like cobalt, copper, nickel, and various rare earth elements. The letter emphasizes the potential risk posed by the CCP's control over approximately 95% of the global supply chains for these critical minerals. 
Additionally, it points out China's processing capabilities, which could convert these resources into essential components for U.S. weapon systems, thereby raising significant strategic concerns. After officially assuming the office of Poland's Prime Minister, veteran politician Donald Tusk has reiterated his country's support for Ukraine in this war with Russia. Addressing Parliament on December 12th, Mr. Tusk's pledge to loudly and decisively demand the full mobilization of the free world, the Western world, to help Ukraine in this war. Mr. Tusk said, Poland's task, the new government's task, is to firmly demand the full determination from the entire Western community to help Ukraine. I will do this from day one. Mr. Tusk made the remarks a day after he was approved by Parliament to lead the country's new coalition government. Leader of Poland's centrist civic platform party, Mr. Tusk previously served as Prime Minister from 2007 to 2014. This has been James O'Neill with your TNT News Brief. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. Thank you very much, James. That's great. It's five past seven and weather is next. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars. It's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Oh, that's what you've got to do. TNTradio.live is great. And also Reality Check Radio. They are fantastic. I think they're on realitycheck.radio. You'll find them here. And I was listening to a terrific interview with, um, uh, her name was Catherine Innes. And I can't remember the last name, but it was very interesting. She's involved in government, politician type of person. And, um, wow, um, some of the, the Official Information Act requests that they've received. And it looked like it was just an orchestrated litany of lies. And, and remember when Jacinda said, you know, we give them two weeks of sustained propaganda? That was people that were in, um, uh, in the hotels when they came back into New Zealand, had to sit in quarantine for a couple of weeks. But also she said something like, um, everything we do is... Is, is staged <laughs> and they did it was all staged and they were in cahoots with these um, what would you call them sort of um, um, non-government organisations they were paid by, by the taxpayer but you know that this is what Labour did and they also harnessed the media as well in particular stuff and I'd heard that from another fellow that I know who's um, high up in media things and uh, he said yep that is true and uh, p- people that have left uh, the radio, people have been in radio and television for a long time. They said that they would have had to have, management would have had to have paid back money if they said anything against the uh, vaccines, against the jabs, or anything against the government narrative, they would have to pay that grant back. So it really it was a bribe. So Winston's right, isn't he, all along? Temperatures right across the whole country. Stuart Island's 9 degrees, Invercargill's 10. Or well, Dunedin's on 9 as well. So it's 9 and 10 down the South Islands. Chatham Island's got uh, 12 degrees there. It looks pretty good. Blenheim's a wee bit cold. Everywhere else is up uh, in the uh, double digits. And in the North Island it's warm right outside my studio now. It's 10 degrees. Wellington's on 11. Masterton has cooled off a bit. It is 8 degrees there. Palmerston North 11. And so there's your temperatures. Uh, pretty much up the country. Kaitaia is uh, the highest with 16 degrees, just about uh, 16 anyway. It's eight minutes past seven and the short forecast for Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, Waikato and Waitomo, mostly cloudy with sharp few showers becoming isolated this afternoon. For the Bay of Plenty in the central high country, mainly fine weather, but isolated showers in Taramanui and Taihepi. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, mainly fine, but isolated showers developing this morning and then clearing in the evening. Westerlies rising to gale southerlies 
uh, in that's uh, gale force rather <laughs> south of Hastings tonight. Taranaki to Wellington also for Wairarapa partly cloudy with isolated showers developing this morning. Nelson, Buller and Westland fine weather apart from a few showers in Buller. For Marlborough and Canterbury mainly fine weather but a few showers developing about the northern uh, about the coast rather north of Ashburton. I told you, dyslexic. Um, north of Ashburton this morning, and then it's clearing in the afternoon. Uh, Otago, Southland, and Fiordland scattered rain, clearing in Otago, that's central Otago, but easing to isolated showers elsewhere this morning, and then it's going to be retreating to the coast later. And for the Chatham Islands, showers easing this evening. Okay, we've got uh, Keith Urban on the turntable, and that's for my friend. I can't remember who that was from. We've had a few people uh, text me through Martin, Leanne, and uh, John. I think it was John. He's. Um, He's milking. I think, he, I think he wants Keith Urban, so he's coming up after this. Why did God create war? Why does God create murder? Why does God create all the, the horrific things we see in the news, school shootings? Why would God create a mind that acts in that way? Well, I think the, the traditional theistic answer to that is the free will defense. It's not that God created those things. He created free agents knowing that it was better to create free agents who had the ability to choose and therefore to choose to love him or not or love each other or not than it was to create puppets but with that decision to create free moral agents there was also the risk that people would use that freedom to exploit others how often does god get blamed by the people who claim not to believe in him for the evils that they themselves are responsible for that is so true all right, here's Keith Urban, born in New Zealand, raised in Australia, now he's in Nashville, Tennessee, and doing very well. Been there for years, so I think it's the, probably the late 90s he's been over there. Fantastic. Just the same old yesterday And you made a promise to yourself That you were never gonna be this way And the only thing that you've ever known Is to run So you keep on driving
Good, isn't he? 14 minutes past seven with the Liberty NZ Breakfast here. Thanks for joining us. Keith Urban and, uh, yeah, good value. Now, remember in the news we were talking about Owen, oh, not Owen Troyer, uh, whoever it was that did the news, can't remember his name now. He, um, he talked about the bat viruses. They were warning people about, you know, the bats, they carry some virus. Really, uh, what you've got to do, folks, uh, there ain't no viruses. <laughs> There ain't no viruses. Uh, you, the best book to read would have to be Virus Mania, and that uh, one of the co-authors of that is New Zealand doctor, her and her husband, uh, Dr. Samantha Bailey. Sam Bailey, she goes under the name of Dr. Sam Bailey, and also her husband, Dr. Mark Bailey. And they have gone right away from allopathic medicine altogether, and uh, they don't believe in viruses, and nor do any, nor, nor do real homeopaths. Actually, some of the modern ones do. I noticed the one that I went to uh, years ago is only because I had children. I thought it's better to go to a proper doctor. Otherwise, you know, you sort of they might take your kids off you if you didn't sign up with a doctor, wouldn't they? I mean, who knows what they might do? So we went to a doctor, but he was a homeopathic, an Indian fellow, and he was a modern homeopath. He trained in New Delhi. Uh, at the um, New Delhi hospital there and you had a choice whether you could go down the allopathic method or the homeopathic he went for the homeopathic but it's still modern homeopathy and they sort of really sort of butchered Hahnemann's classical homeopathic theories and um, I asked him about Beauchamp you know Antoine Beauchamp's cellular theory and he goes oh and he knew all about it Um, Beecham we we always called him Beecham but it's Beauchamp I think Um, but the book to read would be Virus Mania why don't you um, spend $10, go over to Kindle, get a Kindle. I think you can get them on Amazon. Uh, or, better yet, if you want to give um, Dr. Sam Bailey a bit of dosh, go to D-R-S-A-M Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. So drsambailey.com and uh, buy the book there. But while you're there, look in the video section. She's got one on antibiotics. It's got a whole list, a whole library of videos you can have a look at and all the things that they've been just brainwashing us with for decades, almost centuries now uh, about virus, well viruses sort of, when did that happen? Sort of the late 60s, wasn't it? And they think they're seeing viruses through their electron microscopes and um, even Kerry Mullis, who was the, um, I think he invented the PCR test, even he said, you know, 
They wouldn't. They don't even know what they're looking at. He said Fauci doesn't know anything about anything. Shouldn't even be involved in our health. But um, they look at them and they're really just looking at diseased cells or microbes. The, the body's got about two kgs of microbes in it. And so if you if your body's unhealthy, then it's going to um, it's going to you'll see it in the microscope, and you'll see it on your skin as well. So you've really got to look after your skin. And this is something they never talk about health, do they? Never talk about food, nutrition, and good clean water, those sorts of things. But those are the most important things. Plenty of sunlight, uh, plenty of good clean water with no chemicals. You don't want any of that town water now, especially with all the chemicals they put in. It's not just fluoride. There's all sorts of others, chlorine and stuff. There's all sorts of chemicals that go into the water uh, to stop you getting other bugs. But... um, yeah, you don't want that. So you need fresh fresh water, and there's ways of keeping your water by you know containing it, uh, getting it off the roofs probably okay. Although some some people say there's aerial spraying, um, so a, a well would be good as well, wouldn't it? You know, spring water. But then you've got to got to keep it. You know, so um, there's a system that this Thai fellow has, and I did know his name, and I can't remember. He shows you how to make diesel as well, biodiesel. And he shows you how to look after your water. And I think it's three 250-litre uh, plastic drums. They put He puts stones in it and um, I think some sort of sand I think and charcoal as well at the end there. And you can make your own charcoal. It's pretty easy. Just look on YouTube. YouTube is very good for those sorts of things, isn't it? And so anyway, it's three tanks. See those 250-litre, those blue ones. I think you pick those up for about $35. Uh, and you have three of those. And you just have the water running through them. And that is a very good filtration system. And then you change your charcoal, probably give it all a clean out every now and then. And um, so then you can have beautiful, clean drinking water. I don't. I've got 90,000 litres of drinking water. And I've probably, I'm probably drinking bugs. Who knows? But I feel okay. Um, when you first get those tanks, especially the plastic ones, they, they taste a bit, bit like burnt plastic, don't they, to start with? But it's um, after three years, it seems to have come right. But I'm, I've pretty much got the same water. <laughs> It's been there for for years and years. I hope it's all right. So we'll soon find out. But I've really got to do something about that. Um, so I will be setting up some kind of, Lord willing, I'll be setting up a, um, a uh, filtration system. It's really important. Almost 20 past seven. And um, we've got, uh, who have I got? I've got yeah, Cassandra, um, Cassidy, Cassidy, I should say, Cassidy Pope. Uh, a new song for her coming up. We're going to have a little play on that. And um, what are they going to call, what's Teotl, Tewata Aura called now? Is it... Is it the Ministry of Health? <laughs> I just say the Ministry of Health. Uh, New Zealand Health. They transport people. What was that? Um, something Kotanga, wasn't it? Waka Ko- Kotanga, I think it was, or something. I don't know. I can't remember. I just sort of, my eyes glaze over when I read all this stuff. And it was just really just an attack on New Zealanders, wasn't it? Everyday New Zealanders. And one of the things I do like about Winston Peters' speech was that he said, we are one. And he said that Dame Fina Cooper... She said, we are one people because of the Treaty of Waitangi. So we're, we're one. We're, we're one with you. And so we're not your enemy. And we don't want you to be our enemy. And it's just a real shame that the communist Maori um, have you know, tried to be the voice of all Maori. It's certainly not the case. And um, it's done in, or, well, not irreparable damage, but it's done a significant amount of damage to the relationship that we had with Maori, uh, all of us. We're one people, guys, and we just want to get on with life and um, try and build our country back back to where it was. And let's hope, let's hope that we don't have just another bunch of globalists, this time right-wing globalists. Let's hope that that's not what we've got. Um, 
don't but don't, don't hold your breath I'm, I'm i'm kind of thinking maybe we have but we'll soon find out we'll soon find out won't we um i want to see some action on the damage to, of the vaccines and i want to see some some really positive action not just trying to uh, cover up what barry uh, young has come out with and I, we need to have a proper public inquiry all through the country and it looks as though there could be as many as 12,000 people that have been killed by this vaccine and it's been uh, they've tried to cover it up and um, oh that's what I wanted you to hear I some who was I think Damien Dement sent me this good old Damien I'd love to have Damien on the program actually he's um He's, he's good value. So, um, Damien, if you're listening, uh, we'd love to have you. I'd love, love you to be involved in my radio, actually. be fantastic to have you. But Damien sent me uh, Amy Benjamin, and I've got her here somewhere. Oh, where are you, da- Where are you, Amy? Here she is. Yes. Um, can I hear her? Yeah, I hope it's loud enough for you. This is the latest one she's done. Have a listen to this. Family stuff. It's the, um, oh, God, what is it? 25th of October 2023. Oh. This is the Deep State War News and Commentary. Maybe it's not the latest. I'll have, a, I'll have a look and see if I can find the latest. Told you so. Don't fuck them up. I want to talk today. It's time to talk this because events are moving in, in the direction that requires it. I want to talk to you about a critical issue. It's the difference between, quote, errors were made, close quote, and, quote, they tried to kill us. The mofos tried to kill us. Um, and I'm talking about this distinction in the context of the COVID crimes, the uh, lockdown crimes and the vax crimes. These crimes are becoming increasingly obvious to the public. And of course, the, the deep state cabal is wondering, um, how do we shield ourselves from accountability? Now, I've discussed this in my scholarship. See my <clears throat> peer-reviewed article in the um, William and Mary Policy Review from 2017. The article is many fa- The Many Faces of Secrecy. What the cabal traditionally does is when they commit a crime and when there's and when evidence of that crime becomes sort of obvious to the public, the cabal claims incompetence and basically pleads negligence because that's far better than um being discovered to have intentionally planned a crime against humanity. So, for example, in the case of 9-11, there was that whole, oh, there was a failure to connect the dots by the intelligence services. 9-11, as I've written in another peer-reviewed article, um, was a false flag um, perpetrated by the cabal and their minions in the U.S. government and abroad. Um, But, you know, when people... um, started to question the official narrative, um, the cabal reverted to their preferred explanation, which was, you know, just um, well-intentioned error. Basically, intelligence services that were trying their best to protect the American public, but just fell down on the job. And you see that excuse playing out in real time now in Israel. Um, For seven or eight hours, the Hamas operatives probably bought and paid for by the Israeli government, which is bought and paid for by the cabal sitting in places like Switzerland. Um, these Hamas narratives crossed the, the border into Israel and wreaked havoc. Well, so now the Israeli uh, cabal is saying, oh, God, just that was just an intelligence failure. Normally, we would detect every last speck of rice infringing the border. But in this case, for some strange reason, um, for seven hours, we were out buying falafel and those Hamas operatives just slipped by. So you get the idea. When 
the cabal commits crimes, they really prefer the excuse of negligence because the public is likely to buy that excuse. The public is highly unlikely to buy the excuse that the cabal premeditated murder and carried out acts of murder against um, human beings. Why is the why is the public so uh, so willing and indeed eager to buy into the negligence uh, explanations um, when faced with an obvious um, crime scene? Because the public doesn't have to sacrifice its ego. It's easier for human beings to say, you know, everyone has a bad day at the office. I can understand the failure. You know, it wasn't a lack of judgment on our, the public's part, putting these people into power because everyone can have a bad day. Everyone can screw up. And yeah, they might have to resign because they screwed up because, you know, they dropped the ball. But, you know, we'll put we'll put maybe more competent people in next time. And this whole explanation does not implicate the public's own judgment in, in regarding who they choose to man the government apparatus. Whereas if the agents, the public's agents in power, premeditate murder and injury against the public, well, then the public begins to look very foolish, having entrusted these bozos with power, these criminals, these parasites, these satanic pedophiles with power. And then the public not only has to get rid of, you know, the satanic, uh, satanistic pedos who they've entrusted with power, they have to begin to really unpack their own blind spots and their own failures, their own failures, the public's own failures to connect the dots. The public doesn't want to do that because that implicates their ego because then the public has to think, how were we fooled? How is our discernment so overrun? How are we, how handicapped are we? Why are we so handicapped in our ability to discern? The public doesn't want to do that. So it, the public much prefers the narrative of negligence to that of premeditated murder premeditated murder. We're coming at a fork in the road because evidence of the COVID death toll is increasing by the day. If you Google the headline, doctors baffled by sudden deaths, you'll see what I mean. Doctors all over the world profess to be baffled by the sudden deaths. And of course, the excess mortality rights are screaming uh, a, ma a rather massive die-off. In New Zealand, I think the excess mortality rate is 20%. So you're going to see this whole language. The Cabal's going to trot out this whole language of oh, well-intentioned error. The officials tried their best, but, you know, under emergency conditions, there was a pandemic. After all, they made policy mistakes. And, you know, yes, they should retire. We'll give them, you know, they should go uh, right off into the distance. Of course, they always resurface with cushy uh, board of directors positions and academic positions. But and they, their pensions are always intact, but they won't hold public office again. And all will be well. We'll have more competent people next time. We're at a fork in the road. And I'm speaking especially to the New Zealand public, are you going to accept that excuse? Or are you going to see the COVID events for what they were, premeditate, a premeditated, very well-thought-out plan, architected over decades, to murder and injure the citizens of this country and of the world? This is the fork in the road. And in a sense, you, the public, we, the public, are on trial even more so than the officials who are responsible. What way will we go? Will we grow up? Will we be adults? Will we remain children and accept this risible excuse of negligence and well-intentioned error? Which way are you going to blow? Toward adulthood or toward childhood? Bye. Amy Benjamin. Well worth listening to.
and uh, I think that is the latest one that um, Damien sent me. Uh, but if it's not, I'll uh, check it out later on once I've finished here, and uh, I'll bring it to you tomorrow. Uh, so um, she is someone to listen to. I th- I'm pretty sure she was at Auckland University lecturer, and uh, of course uh, she's now a real, real campaigner, isn't she, for freedom and truth, the freedom and truth movement. So a couple of things to look at would be Virus Mania, and also check out Amy Benjamin as well. Uh, that isn't the latest. I'm sure there's another one, but I won't. I won't bring it to you today. We'll do that. We'll do that tomorrow. How about that? Almost half past seven, and um, we've. Um, I think I've got. Have, I haven't got the latest Herald headlines with me, do I or not? I don't know. No, I don't think I do. Let's see if I've got the latest ones. No, I don't. Uh, hang on. Oh, hang on. I might have. Let's see. Uh, yes, I do. For those that haven't heard the latest, I will bring you that. Uh, right after this. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Okay, and so here's the New Zealand Herald headlines. It's getting a little bit old now, but we'll have a listen. That'll keep you busy for a few minutes. And then we've got Kasadi Pope. We're going to hear a country song from her, and I think it's from Martin. Yeah. The government stamps their mark on a new era, but why the Prime Minister's not phased by recent protests. Tooth Fairy fined for helping desperate locals, and when gas demand could outstrip supply. Atamaria, I'm Sherry Kinnear, and these are the latest New Zealand Herald headlines. A rejig of the Reserve Bank's responsibilities is expected to be on the agenda for Parliament today. The new government says the first legislation to go through the House is to refocus the bank solely on bringing inflation back within target. The previous government enforced a dual mandate on the bank to maintain the New Zealand dollar and effectively reduce unemployment. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister says he's not surprised by protests or leaks against the government and is just focused on getting things done. There's been two leaks of confidential information in five days, the latest on Friday. And last week, protests around the country showed opposition to new Māori policy. Chris Luxon says his is a different government from the previous one, but he has a clear mandate from the public. He says he understands it's an adjustment for everyone because they have a different mode and philosophy from the past government. The Tooth Fairy of Kaikohi has been fined after her low-cost denture service created smiles but broke health rules. Claire Wehongi Martini was sentenced and fined $7,000 for making and repairing dentures for people who couldn't afford the work in the approved system. Kaikohi District Court was told she earned around $180,000 over three years for the services, with the prosecution arguing she placed people's health and well-being at risk. Wehongi Martini told the Herald she feels exhausted by the process. You know, when it first happened, I was felt devastated and cried, but then, you know, the people came and they lifted me up and they carried me, and so I'm just out of it. I feel I might be broke on paper, but I feel like I'm a really wealthy A voice for the retail industry says the return of 90-day trials will make it easier for businesses to meet their staffing needs. 
The new government has confirmed it will repeal legislation which restricts 90-day trials to only small businesses by Christmas. It means all businesses will be able to fire staff without giving a reason, free from the threat of legal action within the trial period. Retail New Zealand Chief Executive Carolyn Young says this will give its members more flexibility. With the current economic environment, businesses have to continue to be agile and be able to move and change and respond to the environment that they're in so that they can continue to trade. And gas demand could outstrip supply by 2025, causing an energy shortfall. The gas industry company's latest research shows renewable supply options are on the horizon, but will still take time and investment to develop. Energy Resources Aotearoa says the predictions are sad, but not unsurprising. They say the previous government's policies for the sector have damaged investment. And those are the latest New Zealand Herald headlines. For more news worth knowing, head to nzherald.co.nz. Yeah, no, she says New Zealand Aotearoa. It's, it's a, an invention, my, my dear. Uh, you need to do some study on that. But I suppose she's got to do what she's got to do, isn't she? She's employed by... Uh, the Herald, and so she has to uh, say otherwise she won't have a job, will she? If she makes a stand like the rest of us, who <laughs> unemployable, yeah, we just we just won't toe the line, will we? Now uh, we've got some new news just come through here, and it's, it's apparently one person said it was like being in the Wizard of Oz. Wild winds flung a teacher against a tree, and kids took shelter. Hutt South MP Chris Bishop. Uh, someone accused him. I think it was Chris Bishop. They accused him of being um, a lobbyist. Uh, for cigarettes. <laughs> oh, I think I've got the right person, Chris Bishop. Pretty sure I have. Uh, anyway, he is praising locals who rushed to get children to safety during the ferocious storm that hit Lower Hutt yesterday afternoon. And other headlines, Prime Minister Christopher Luxon, he makes a joint call with allies for a ceasefire in Gaza. The Prime Minister of New Zealand, Australia and Canada have issued a joint statement calling for a pause in hostilities in Gaza and more international efforts. And New Zealand Health owes health professionals more than $3 billion uh, in leave and also holiday pay. Thousands of health professionals are owed billions of dollars for incorrectly calculated holiday pay and untaken annual leave, according to New Zealand Health Authority. And school spending grants on personal trips, home gyms, equipment, that sort of thing. Uh, Seven schools had serious financial problems last year and the auditors said that it looked as though there are a further 13 who also have further problems. And we've got some pictures here. I'm looking at some photographs of the hailstorm and chaotic winds. They wreak havoc or wreak havoc in Wellington. Heavy hail, rain and strong winds ripped across the country from Canterbury to Wellington on Tuesday, taking roofs off, downing power lines and trees. They all went with it. And a record payout, of course, for the um, for stress for school counsellors. The Association of Counselors says that $1.8 million payout following an employment court ruling highlights the pressure on school counselors. Of course, I think it's a nonsense. I think that if you're going into counseling, you're going to hear all sorts of horrible stories. And it's ter- set a terrible precedent. And I only hope the school uh, appeal that ruling because it's just ridiculous. Wagarei petrol prices, they drop as uh, companies forced to match competition. Petrol prices have plummeted in Whangarei following the arrival of a cut price outlet. I want to know who it is. What is it? I can't see. It doesn't need any... Well, let's read that story. I want to know who it is. Um, otherwise, then I'll have to start making my own. So I'm looking at the prices there. Dollar th- $3.05. Extra three fifteen. Supreme is three thirty eight. 
diesel is $2.53. doesn't seem that cheap to me. And where is that one? Not sure where that's mobile. Uh, yep, so it says here petrol prices have plummeted in Whangarei following the arrival of a cut price outlet. And uh, what is it? The Earlier this year, the Commerce Commission launched an investigation into petrol pricing around the country, singling out Whangarei for its skyrocketing prices, despite being just up the road from Mars and Point fuel. Yes, but the trouble is it gets uh, shunted by pipes. It used to, anyway. It, it goes by pipe from Mars and Point directly to Wirree, I think, in Auckland, South Auckland. And then it is distributed, is distributed out from there. So, you know, even if you do live right next to Margin Point, you don't get it any cheaper. you think they could funnel some off for the North Northlanders, wouldn't you? However, Wangarei is the cheapest place to fill up in Northland, and uh, its prices are also significantly below the Auckland average. A reversal of the situation just a few months ago. Tuesday's uh, prices were 91 octane and Wangarei was just under $2.58. Oh, that's expensive if you ask me. Anyway, uh, that compares to prices up to $3.16 when Radio New Zealand checked out the city's petrol stations in September. Tracy Rosetto, chairperson of the Automobile Association, Northern Council, uh, put the turnaround down to the arrival of fresh competition. She said Allied Petroleum has recently added self-service petrol pumps to what's been uh, a truck stop. At, uh, it looks like Kioriorua Road in the industrial area near the city's transfer station. Now, where is that? Ah, so anyone that's up in Wangarei, you'll have to go and have a look. You'll probably know where that is, Kioriorua Road. Kioria Roa Road. Gosh, it's difficult. Why do they make them so hard? Anyway, so there you go. Rosetto said that the price drop backed up her belief that it was competition or a lack thereof that had led to Wangarei's previously high petrol prices. Well, they got a bit of competition, I would have thought. But anyway, they've got more now. So who do we have to watch out for? I wonder if there'll be in other parts. Allied Petroleum. So they're the ones to watch out for. And I think they do home. De- home they do all the big farmers, don't they? Um, so we buy our we buy ours through a local farmer. Um, we just get you know a few drums every now and then, and we get it's substantially less. Actually, it's the way to go. Twenty one minutes to eight, and uh, I'll be here until eight, Lord willing, unless something happens to me in the meantime. Uh, let's move over to stuff and see what they're up to. Construction company find after steel beam kills a worker. Twenty one year old Adrian Pascook. Pasuk, he was one of 64 Kiwis who went to work in 2021 and never came home. Amputees learn music from the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra, a group of upper limb amputees, uh, jammed out with the orchestra in an event showcasing the transformational power of music. Construction companies and directors charged in the first criminal cartel prosecution, the construction companies allegedly colluded to rig bids for infrastructure projects in Auckland, and Rhythm and Alps attendees to face alcohol restrictions. Police and health authorities say reports of sexual assault and alcohol-related harm are reasons to minimise alcohol use at the popular summer festival held in Wanaka. And the Red Fox Tavern Killers head to the Supreme Court more than 30 years after the Red Fox Tavern publican Chris Bush was shot dead. And at the time, my wife was a journalist for Television New Zealand, and uh, they all rushed down there, and it was a terrible, terrible event. Now, that's on the way from Auckland, 
the Red Fox Tavern, you go down the Renduans heading south and you hook a left towards Coromandel and you drive along that road for a few k's and there's the tavern there on the left hand side past the timber merchants keep on going and you'll see that's the red fox tavern so uh his name was chris bush he was shot dead one of the men found guilty of his murder it was a long time after uh, still can't be named as he heads to the supreme court and uh, more news from stuff a prisoner who escaped and spent 10 weeks on the run is missing again? Oh no. The man with links to the Killer Bees gang. He spent 10 weeks on the run from maximum security prison at Auckland in 2021 and he's managed to evade authorities again. He's a bit of a trickster, isn't he? And a man who killed the Kiwi mum released early from mental health care, according to their family, is assessed as an extreme case. He was admitted to a mental health clinic for two weeks. His family say he was released just two days later. That's shocking, isn't it? And a man has been paid $883.20 by AT, that's Auckland Transport, for damage caused by a, a pothole. Oh, I should be putting in for that. It took over a year of strongly worded emails and an information, uh, what do they call it? A uh, OIA. Oh, what is that again? Ah... Uh... Something information request. Um, official, I think it is official. Official information, um, what we call it? I don't know what's got A in it. I'm not sure what that means, but I would just would be R. Request. Um, official information authority, maybe that's what it means. Request. And it was with the disputes tribunal date and a good deal of persistence and patience. But victory has finally paid off for Stephen Doyle. Police officer who punched of two 14-year-olds Dodgers conviction. Police officer in a lengthy and dangerous chase of a stolen car across Auckland has avoided a criminal report. Uh, sorry, rather, a criminal record. <laughs> Don't know where that came from. Uh, a record uh, for punching a pair of teens. Well, uh, what I've heard from police officers... Uh, one in particular, I think I was in Central Hawke's Bay. She said, if they ch- if we have to chase them and they run, we bash them up. There you go. That's, that's the way it goes. In Wellington, ice cream guy to run for empty council seat. Kathy uh, Ellis is the owner of the Carl Teffenbacher, a vocal opponent of the Golden Mile Plan. The Golden Mile Plan flames himself uh, rather, he, fr- he frames himself as a small business candidate with a focus on sensible council spending. So he's going to try and get into politics and uh, more on the mini tornado. Of course, havoc in the lower Upper Hutt region. What else have we got? And uh, school councillors. Oh, yep, we got that. So we're getting on to old, old news now. Uh, let's move over to Australia and project producer. This is, um, this is with skynews.com.au. Lisa Wilkinson, she's the project producer. She's been grilled by Bruce LeMans barrister after the court heard bombshell secret recordings of a conversation between Brittany Higgins and Senator Michaelia Cash. She's the, um, project producer. Uh, who's she with? I don't know. You people in Australia, you'll know. I've got a few Aussies listening at the moment. And uh, also, for more for Australia, journalist Paul Kent found not guilty of alleged domestic assault and choking. Uh, uh, he is with um, Fox Sports uh, Journalist. Uh, he's uh, Yeah, he's there. And he's been cleared of all criminal charges relating to the alleged assault and choking of his ex-girlfriend in his Sydney home this year. 
with the court finding him not guilty on all counts. So what does that mean? She set him up. Does she get had up for perjury, <laughs> if it's not true? And a new board to keep Australians safe from ex-immigration detainees. Ex-immigration detainees. A new group of, uh, a new a border force, rather. A new group of border force, home affairs and law enforcement officials will determine which ex-immigration detainees need to be put in preventative detention. Why don't you just send them all back to the country they came from? Why don't we not bring them in the first place? And, you know, you can actually help more so-called refugees. Uh, You can help more people if you leave them in their own country. Just take them out of the war zones, out of the problem areas, and um, deal with them there. You can help a lot more people and, um, and don't bring them to your own country. And then what happens then, the, the other great thing is that once the war is over or the conflict, whatever's happening, uh, then they can help these young people that want to go and live in a Western country. They can help rebuild their own country and turn it into something instead of just getting worse and worse. If all the brains leave the country and all the people that are able-bodied, then it's not going to be, it's just going to be a disaster, isn't it? And more in Australia, Fitbit ordered to pay $11 million in fines after Deceiving customers over 18 months, Fitbit has admitted it. What's Fitbit? I suppose you know. Aussies will know. Uh, has admitted it lied to a number of customers over an 18 month period about their rights to receive refunds and replacements for faulty products and has now been ordered to pay the federal court $11 million. I'm not sure what Fitbit is. I'll zoom in on it. I'll zoom in. I will click on it and see if I can glean who Fitbit are. And this is, uh, what are they, a chemist? Oh, no, it could be an ad. Uh, we, we could play it. Here, let's have a listen. Here you go. I want to take you straight through to that particular uh, merger, Sigma Pharmaceuticals, which is valued at no. $810 million. No, that's the merger we talked about. That fitness. Oh, they're a fitness tech giant. Fitbit. Oh, yeah, of course, Fitbit has been uh, slapped with a penalty, so we know about that. So they're fitness. There we are. The federal court imposed the fine on the company on Tuesday after it confessed having made the false allegations in between 20 and, uh, 2020 and 2022. Australia's consumer watchdog, the ACCC, received complaints from 58 people who were told by Fitbit they could be refunded if given replacements for smart watches and fitness trackers, which were not fit for purpose. Uh, Several of these customers encountered incidents of being provided faulty replacements or for original devices that had already been faulty and then were then told that they were not eligible for another replacement year. Dodgy. Oh, that's the end of them, isn't it? Who's going to go there now? And why do you need to go to a gym? Why don't you just go and lift a rock? (laughs) Do some work. Cut some firewood. You know, guys, why don't you do that? And women, you could just be, what could you be? Clean the back of the fridge, pull the fridge out, have a bit of spring cleaning. That should have all been done back in September anyway, shouldn't it? Pull the oven out, make sure it's all nice and tidy in there. Give the toilet a good clean, take the seat off, get the old whatever it is onto it. A lot of people aren't using janola and stuff now. They're moving away from that sort of stuff. And even even in your dishwasher, I think you can use um, bicarbonate of soda, which is like baking soda, isn't it? And then you mix um, just a wee bit of dishwashing liquid and some other ingredients. But just go on YouTube. They've got all the answers. YouTube has the answers for everything, doesn't it? 13 minutes to 8. And um, what else have we got here in meat? Gosh, look at the size of that beast. That is a big cow. They have big cows over there. Uh, Australian abattoir is removed from China trade blacklist as ties stabilise. Uh, I have to go and read that. I think that's enough Aussie news. We haven't got that many Aussies listening, mostly New Zealanders listening at the moment. So um, why don't we have a look at News Hub and see what they've got on offer. I'll just do a quick refresh 
and then we'll be right there. Now, um, what have I got? A housing market has now entered the next phase. According to CoreLogic, they've released their latest data and uh, their report entitled 2023, a turning point for the New Zealand housing market, reviewed 2023 and shared predictions for 2024, whilst also looking at data that revealed the New Zealand suburbs that have increased value the most. And while it was a slow year for property, these areas of New Zealand managed to buck the trends and still increase in value the most on average over the past 12 months. Sunshine Bay in Queenstown up 6.6%. Uh, Karoro in uh, Wong, that's in Greymouth, or maybe that's just the Maori name. It's Greymouth, I suppose. Um, up three point seven percent, and Queenstown, it's Lake Hayes Estate, up three point eight percent. Mataura, which is in Gore, yep, I know where that is. It's up three point seven. So it's in Southland, gosh. And Mornington in Wellington, up three percent. Albertown in Queenstown, up two point six percent. Cromwell, up two and a half percent. Kingston. I guess that's where the Kingston Flyer is, between Lumsden and Kingston. Um, yeah, that's up 2.4%. And Lake Hawea up 2.7%. So people must be moving there, I would think. And these are the experienced drops in value over the last... Uh, the, rather, these areas have experienced drops over the last 12 months. Featherston down 16%. Incredible Martin down 153 Raumanga and Whangarei down 134 oh, I've sold property up there. Uh, bought and sold property, quite a bit actually. Um, Glendowie, Auckland, minus three, down three, 13 rather, 13%. Ostend, that, Ostend, Auckland, now that would have to be Ostend. That's um, Waiheke Island. I'm sure Ostend is Waiheke Island. And that's down 12.8%. Petoni down 128 as well. And Karaka Bay is in Wellington, down 12.5%. Martinborough, uh, I think John Ansell's there, isn't he, in Martinborough? Yes, it's down 12.5%. Time to buy a house, John. And Matakana in Auckland, that's always been very expensive. That's dropped as well. So it must be inflated prices. I think it's just a, uh, a sort of a settling, down 12.4%. And Paiatua, uh, which is, they must have had a bit of a rush on properties. That's down 12.4%. CoreLogic report said that the national property value increased was 0.4% in October and 0.7% in November. Zooming out, they say, we can see the areas of the country that have gained the most value over the past five years. And it's Mataura, which is Gore, 138, this is over the last five years, 138 uh, uh, 0.9%. And Ratahi, Ruapehu, that's up 128.1. People are going there, I suppose, and buying some little cottages. I know people that have bought in Ratahi for the ski season. And Wairoa, 125.2% in the last five years. Waverley, South Taranaki, up 1226 Eglin and Gisborne, 122.3%. And Outer Kaiti in Gisborne. Yeah, it's a good, good place. Outer Kaiti, yeah, 118.6%. Partia, is, um, is that where the Maori Club are? Up 118. 3% in the last five years. Mangakino, Taupo, up 114.4. Manui, uh, Mananui in Ruapehu, up 110.5. Reefton, 106.1. Interestingly, the three Auckland suburbs near the CBD, that's the Central Business District, are the only ones in the country to have lost value over the past five years, while Auckland suburbs and Wellington Central have experienced low growth. Auckland Central down 8.8%, Newmarket down 3.1%, Grafton 23 
Uh, Waiaki down 3.4, Campbell's Bay up, up 6.0%, uh, Wellington Central up 6.1%, Rothley Bay up 7%, Mission Bay up 7.4%, and Oraki, uh, or Oraki if you want to say it that way, up 7.7%. Most expensive suburbs in New Zealand in 2023 were still in Auckland, Hearn Bay $3.1 million, St Mary's Bay $2.67 million, Remuera $2.45 and Westmere 2.3, Ponsonby 2.3, actually just slightly less than Westmere. Wouldn't believe it. I would have thought Westmere wouldn't be as nice a place as Ponsonby, but who knows? Campbell's Bay on the North Shore of Auckland 2.0%, $2 million. Uh, Shamrock in Shamrock Park 2 million dollars. Oraki 2.05, Koemarama 2.03, Takapuna 2.02, and these were the most affordable areas of the country in 2023, the median value, and that's Cobden and Greymouth, the $258,200, Blacktown and Greymouth, $277,570, and uh, Partia, South Taranaki, $292,800. Uh, I actually made a mistake on Blacktown, it's actually $277,750. Matura in Gore is $294,000, still pretty cheap, isn't it? Wairoa, Wairoa $297,000. $1,000, and uh, Appleby in Invercargill, $319,650, and Mananui in Ruapehu, $324,850, Westport, $324,950, Manaya, South Taranaki, $328,600, and Ku, didn't even know there was such a place, KEW, Invercargill, $330,000. 33,950. Logic noted the declining property sales volumes and house prices characterised the first half of 2023 before finding a flaw in the middle of the year. Sales volumes hit their lowest around uh, around 40 years in April with a 12-month moving total of just 60,475 while national property values declined a further 5% over the year. From May to June towards uh, onwards the market uh, conditions began to change, which they said is due to the changes in credit costs and mortgage availability. Sales volumes are now rising pretty consistently from month to month, although from much uh, much such a low base, even strong percentage gains of 10 to 15 percent haven't yet transferred into large increases in numbers of Deals, according to Core Logic, the chief executive, chief property economist, his name is Kelvin Davidson. Part of the rebound in 2023 was due to the surge in net migration. Yeah, because we had a lot of imported a lot of Muslim terrorists, didn't we? Uh, they've come in and they've got somewhere to live. I suppose it must, they must have money. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that's happening. So we've brought in a lot of immigrants while our people here sit on our on their backsides, not not working. Uh, that just seems to me morally wrong that New Zealanders. Are sitting around not not able to get jobs because some of the employers are preferring to take migrants. And so that has to be stopped. An annual uh, net migration to New Zealand hit a record high of more than 128,000 people. 128,000 data from Tuesday has revealed. And CoreLogic report said the increased immigration hasn't necessarily kick-started sales volumes or house prices on its own. No, it's just put pressure on property, I would think. They've got to live somewhere, don't they? Can't live in a tent. Or can they? <laughs> Why can't they? Um, but there are certain signs that it's put significant pressure on the already 
constrained supply of rental property. Yes, that's what I was just thinking. While this is attractive for landlords whose rental prices will continue to increase, it's unwelcome news for tenants. They're all fighting for it, fighting for um, to just find a place to live. That's why I think it's really cool to just go and build yourself a tiny house. You know, I, you mean you can get something. I mean, if you're really... If you could scrape together, even if you could put together sort of like 20 grand, you could get something you could live in if it's just, you know, a couple, you know, a couple and a baby. And you could always extend it, couldn't you? Just get something that's, I don't know, six by six by three meters or something like that, some kind of a little shack. Or you could go for something. I mean, they range. They can go up, up to a quarter million dollars for a tiny house. But um, you can pick them up for, well, I've got a mate in Levin who uh, builds them. And I think his are only about 15 grand, but he does them. He gets a second-hand window, and then he just uses recycled iron. Sometimes I think he puts new iron on the roof, recycled iron. They look really good, and he sort of like fixes all the holes up. Uh, he's a clever guy. It's David, my mate David, who um, really got me into doing tiny house trailers. Actor. He does them as well. He does all the ones down south, and I do the ones up north. Sometimes when we used to build them together, I'd if I had customers uh, down in Wellington and he didn't have enough time to do them I I would just uh, take the order I'd, I'd call into um, Palmerston North and pick up the steel from Steel and Tube which I don't deal with now because they wouldn't let me turn up at their site unless I was vaccinated uh, so they can get stuffed so I don't deal with them now, I deal with Vulcan Steel, they're, they're pretty good, they treat me right none of that um, nonsense, didn't force me to wear a mask, didn't uh, you know, want to see my vaccine passport and all that rubbish, gosh it's hard to, hard to believe we've come through that isn't it but anyway, so we used to build them together at his workshop, and then I'd deliver them, <laughs> deliver them. So we did two once, um, you know, just gave him um, half the profit. It was good. Uh, anyway, so that is that. That's the, um, well, the biggest acceleration in rental prices in 2023 can be seen in these areas across the, look at that, across the moto, across the country, across New Zealand. We're speaking English. We're one people, and we all speak English. Fairview Heights in Auckland up 32.4%. These are rentals. Auckland Central up 31.1%. Fendleton and Christchurch 30% increase. Wanaka 29.3% up. And uh, Frankly Park, which is in New Plymouth, they're up 25%. Jacks Point and Queenstown up 20.6%. Littleton and Christchurch up 20.4%. Birchville Upper Hutt up 20%. I think that's it. Oh, Picton. Yeah, they've gone up as well. Rentals in Picton, but the least really up only 198 so nearly 20%. Uh, these areas of the country had their average rent decrease by most in 2023, and that was Hearn Bay. They went down 14.5%. That's Auckland. Salway and Masterton, that's down 7.6%. Point Chevalier in Auckland, uh, down 6.7%. And Bolcott in Lower Hutt, down 65 Crofton Downs in Wellington, down 63 And Mapu, Tasman. Mapua, I should say, in Tasman, down 5.7. Linfield up there, my whole, my whole school went to Linfield College there. They're down 5% for rentals. Wilton and Wellington, down 4.8. Silverstream and Upper Hutt, down 4.4. Oriental Bay in Wellington, which is very flash, that's gone down 4.4 for rentals as well. And looking ahead to 2024, CoreLogic predicts an underwhelming upturn. Uh, underwhelming upturn. Gosh, they talk double Dutch, don't they? As the housing market moves into its next phase, Davidson, he's the guy at CoreLogic, he said that the labour market and mortgage uh, repricing processes will continue to play a big part. The new year, he says, uh, will likely kick off positively in terms of mood. 
mood. I'm in a good mood. Uh, with the new property-friendly government, they are too, looking to shorten the Brightline test. Now, Brightline is when, you, if you're an investor, you're, or anyone really, you buy a property, uh, you used to have to hang on to it for a couple of years uh, before you could sell it. Uh, that was what Brightline was. And then, uh, then the Labour Party, they said, oh, it's got to be 10 years. And that people just said, oh, stuff this, you know. So it made it very difficult for people trading in property because a lot of trading goes on. And so they had to hold on to things. So it costs more money to hold on. And who? And when they do stuff like that, all that does really, it doesn't actually help. It actually just puts pressure um, on the price because in the end, you know, the people that do the trading have got to make more money. And so who ends up paying? Well, the, um, the end user ends up paying more. Uh, now, but he does say this, the bright line test is back to two years, so that will be good. I don't know when they're going to do that. Steadily reinstate full mortgage interest deductibility. That was a crazy thing. So if you're running a business, you're a landlord, you're running a business and you can't claim, you have to put new toilets and the tenants wreck the place and you've ruined something, you know, and you've got to put new gutters up because you know, they can't be bothered <laughs> cleaning or well, they're not allowed to actually get head up. They can't do any work. Oh, we've got news. Sorry, here's the news. Oh, we're coming in now. We're a wee bit late. Matter of presidential immunity by requesting a swift ruling from the highest court in the U.S. In the case, Smith has levied four counts against President Trump related to his efforts to contest the results of the 2020 election. In response, Trump has filed four motions to dismiss the charges, with several of these motions being denied by U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin. Subsequently, Trump's legal team appealed the denial of the demotion to dismiss based on presidential immunity to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley. They may not have the same sense of priority as Smith, uh, who seems almost obsessed uh, with trying Trump before the election. On Monday, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill to prohibit the import of enriched uranium from Russia a move aimed at increasing pressure on Moscow to halt its ongoing military incursion into Ukraine. The bill, which was approved via voice vote after suspending standard voting procedures, sets a 90-day deadline for the ban to take effect post-enactment, although there are provisions for waivers. Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the chair of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, stated that the ban would bolster the United States' energy and national security by stopping the import of Russian uranium used in nuclear power plants. One of the most urgent security threats America faces right now is our dangerous reliance on Russia's supply of nuclear fuels for our nuclear fleet. This threat has intensified as a result of the war in Ukraine. Previously, following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the United States had banned Russian oil imports and in conjunction with other Western nations imposed a price cap on seaborne exports of Russian crude oil and oil products. However, a ban on Russian uranium imports had not been implemented until now. The United States relies significantly on imported uranium and operates more nuclear reactors than any other nation, with a total of 93 reactors currently in service. A recent peer-reviewed study in Japan published in the Curious Journal on December 7th found that approximately 70% of deaths in Japan following Pfizer COVID-19 vaccination occurred within the first 10 days after receiving the vaccine. The study focused on examining the link between the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine and the timing of deaths post-vaccination. The researchers defined the risk period as the 10-day span following vaccination, starting with the day of vaccination as day one. In contrast, the control period was established as the time frame from 11 to 180 days after vaccination. The findings indicated that the highest number of post-vaccine fatalities occurred on the second day, with the third and fourth days falling closely.
The study particularly highlighted that a greater proportion of older Japanese women and men under the age of 64 were at an elevated risk of death in the immediate 10-day period after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. A collective of U.S. lawmakers led by Representatives Rob Whitman and Elise Stefanik has called on the Pentagon to formulate a strategy to counter the Chinese Communist Party's involvement in seabed mining. This appeal, detailed in a letter dated December 7th to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, highlights concerns regarding the CCP's growing investment in this sector, which may significantly enhance Beijing's control over vital mineral resources. Seabed mining involves the extraction of sediment and minerals from the ocean floor, with deep-sea mining specifically referring to operations conducted at depths exceeding 200 meters. This has been James O'Neill with your TNT News Brief. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. And you can get over to TNT Radio. You find them at tntradio.live, and uh, they're great. Yep, yeah, they've got an app as well, but you can pick them up on other apps as well. And they're also on Rumble. They're on YouTube, all over the show. And now they're actually video as well, so it's TV. They're moving into the television area. Okay, I'll have some weather for you for the New Zealand uh, country, and it uh, looks like the wild weather is just pretty much over. Uh, But it's all happening in Australia, up in the north of Australia with that cyclone Jasper. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real. That's substantive. That's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Yeah, sorry about that. Because I can't hear anything in these headphones, and I don't know whether I'm on or not. So, you know, and we used to have lights. You know, the light would come on, the whole pla- you know, be a red light. And I, I, was, I was programmed like Pavlov, Pavlov, is it Pavlov? Pavlov's dog. As soon as the light came on, a big, big grin, I just felt like I needed to laugh. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing because they used to train us. If you've got a smile on your face, you always sound a bit happier. And so the, I push the, I'd be, I'm, I come to work, you know, I might not be in a particularly good mood. Of course, it doesn't really matter about moods in radio. You've got to be the same all the time. You can't be, uh, you know, even if you've got a cold, you've got to sound like you haven't got a cold. And uh, so it, we sort of trained ourselves. So as soon as the microphone light went on, uh, something happened. Something. It's just sort of like an, just triggered um, just this expression of um, joy <laughs> came over us. And that's why we always sound like we're up. Uh, when we, you know, the professionals anyway. Uh, let's look at the weather and the extremes at the moment is in Hanua. Well, Auckland has the highest temperature, 16 degrees. Waiuru is the lowest at 6.2. Christchurch in the Port Hills, 46 kilometres per hour. And Westport has the windiest place, 1.4 millimetres of rain. Uh, we'll move across to Philip Duncan and see what he says. He says, um, this is with weatherwatch.co.nz. He said, Tuesday's cooler change may be more noticeable in the North Island today as uh, wind, uh, windy south it's a south to southwesterly wind actually it's going to blow up the nation uh, he says the weather the windy weather is on the outer edges of this enormous belt of high pressure that stretches from Tasmania to the southern ocean all the way up to the Tasman Sea the Coral Sea and as far north as Cyclone Jasper in the northern Queensland area uh, by Thursday tomorrow the wind flow in New Zealand 
shifts a little more westerly as the air starts to come out of Australia, giving a boost to New Zealand temperatures on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, depending on where you live. Let's look at the short forecasts, shall we, for the whole country. Firstly for Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, Waikato and Waitomo. Mostly cloudy with showers becoming isolated this afternoon. For Bay of Plenty and the central high country, mainly fine weather, but isolated showers from Taramanui to Taihapi. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, mainly fine weather, but isolated showers developing this morning and then clearing in the evening. Westerlies rising to gale force south of Hastings tonight. For Taranaki to Wellington, also for the Wairarapa, partly cloudy with isolated showers. For uh, Nelson, Buller and Westland, fine, apart from a few showers in Buller and northern Westland. For Marlborough and Canterbury, cloudy with a few showers about Banks Peninsula and the coast north of Ashburton this morning, clearing and becoming fine later in the afternoon. For Otago, Southland and Fjordland, showers becoming isolated this morning and then retreating to the coast late in the afternoon. And finally for the Chatham Islands, showers easing this evening uh, for you. And uh, the temperature outside where I am here, which is uh, you know, somewhere near Wellington, is um, t- 10 degrees. It's not too bad at all. It was uh, 10 degrees this morning. I think it was about 8 degrees when I first got up. It's 8 minutes past 8. Thanks very much for joining me. It's a bit of, bit of a hodgepodge. <laughs> I've been trying to play this... Um, Cassidy Pope all morning for, uh, I think it's Martin, he wants this, where is he, Blenheim, he was driving in Blenheim, I hope I've got it right, John, he's milking, so we had a few people, Leanne, what's she do, she's in Wangapara, g'day to you, uh, Penny, not Penny, Terry, can't read my own writing, Terry and Ty happy, hello, hello, on the hill country there are you, very hilly isn't it, going into that place there, Arnie as well in Wangarei, uh, he's, um, he's about to go on a camping trip. Uh, on, a, on a camper van trip, I should say. Here, here she is. This is um, Cassandy Pope. Fantastic song. Just a fairly new out, actually. It's in the top, well, in the top 40. Love that banjo, don't you? See you tomorrow morning. Thanks for joining me. I tried to find you at the bottom of a bottle Laying down on the bathroom floor 